success in the new retirement with Damon Roberts and Matt Deaton. Here with Damon and Matt, I'm Jennifer Perry, and we'd love to hear from you here on Success in the New Retirement. If you have an email question for the guys, we'd love to address that on a future episode. Find us online, drop us your message there at successinthenewretirement.com. That's successinthenewretirement.com. Well, celebrities, they are just like us, at least when it comes to estate planning. That's the topic today here on Success in the New Retirement. Here with Damon and Matt, I'm Jennifer Perry. And guys, it is interesting how even the super successful, super wealthy people forget this one important issue. You talk to your clients about this all the time, but I think this is a conversation that we want to put off. Well, I, I don't think anybody likes thinking about that, right? Oh, no, so- sure. You know, whether you're rich, whether you're famous, whether you're poor, whether you're young, whether you're old, it's not a topic that we really want to get into. I think, you know, I was talking to my grandpa, he's 95, and I think he's more willing to talk about that kind of stuff. He has his affairs in order. He's, you know, he's even kind of mapped out where he wants to be buried and what, what his plans are and what his funeral would look like, all that kind of stuff. But you know, he's 95. So he's had more time to think about that. But, you know, it's not one of the things when we dress with our clients, it's interesting because some people, it's just kind of like that taboo topic that they're just like, I really don't even want to think about this. And I don't want to make decisions on who's going to be in charge and where this goes because there's stress and there's emotion involved with that. So it's not surprising that there's lots of problems with people's estate planning. There's not, it's not surprising that you hear in the news about really wealthy people that pass away and their affairs aren't in order because they're just like everybody else. You know, people think it's a lot harder to do than it really is. I Mm, think they think it's, well, I don't know. I don't want to decide on who's going to get my wedding ring and who's going to get the gun collection and who's going to get this and that. And it's, you know, over the last 19 years now, I guess that we've been doing this, I found as people do it, they're like, oh, that was a lot easier than I thought and a lot less painful. (laughs) Well, that's good to know. That's good to know, guys, because uh, if you think about it, I think the times when we start thinking about this is when we lose a loved one or when you hear headlines like what we experienced recently with the death of Kobe Bryant. Guys, that one was so shocking because here's a guy who was only 41 years old. And, you know, it just goes to show that we're never promised anything in this life. And from all accounts so far, it seems like maybe he had planned for his family. But uh, when you hear stories like that, does that help make the conversation easier for some people? I think so. I think it makes it more a little more real, right? I mean, if you hear something like that, we would have thought, you know, Kobe's never going to, you know, that, that would never happen. Yeah. And then you have an accident, kind of a freak accident. It happens. And everybody starts going to get that gut check or that reality check. And so they say, well, maybe I start putting some of that stuff down on paper. And so, again, what we tell people is just get something down on paper, just starting that process. I think one of the other hesitations that people have about it is they're like, well, I, if I write it down, I don't know if that's how I'm going to want to do it five years from now. Mm-hmm. Well, then you change it in five years. You would update it in 10 years. You know, if something changes about your family relationships or where you're wanting the money to go or what your goals and wishes are, you can always adjust that, but at least get something down so that you've properly planned out what would happen should an accident, should something happen that's out of your control. I always ask people, how well do you like the government and how much do you like how they spend their money? People are like, (laughs) 
<laughs> well, that's a different thing. Well, I'm like, do you want them to decide how your money is distributed? Now, there's a good motivator <laughs> to get something done on this, guys. Wow. But uh, today we're going to walk you through a few celebrity cases, high profile cases here of celebrities who both done things right and tried to plan for their families and uh, maybe made a few mistakes in actually putting a plan together. And then there are some on today's list, guys, who've done no planning at all. So let's start here with actor James Gandolfini. Of course, if you watched the HBO's Sopranos, you know his character. I don't know if either one of you can do his accent for us, but that would be awesome. Not even going to try. Okay. Not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there was a shocking case, guys, and I think he had kind of a complicated estate, and this one was a little bit tricky. Well, what's surprising about his is, you know, he put all of this in a will, so everything is public. So, ah. you know, here's this celebrity who has a decent amount of wealth to decide. He's trying to take care of his family. He wants to have this stuff go. But the way that he set this up is that this is a public process. It kind of basically is out there and he has to go through this and anybody can know what's going on because he had, a, you know, he has to go through probate in the state of New York and, you know, everything's going to be public. Everybody can see exactly what's being passed on. And so, again, if you were wanting to try to keep that under wraps, if you don't want to make that a public process, you want to make sure you're taking the steps so you don't go through that. And, and the reason people say, well, what's the big deal? I'm gone. I don't care if it's a public process. The public process, there's a lot of uh, corruption that comes with that. So when, when you go through a will and you go through probate, you must publish and make it public that you're handling the estate of so-and-so. Well, there are people that will make false claims against your estate. They'll come along and be like, you know what, your grandpa... Um, I saw that he passed away and his estate, he never paid me, you know, $2,000 for some yard work that I did for him huh. for some landscaping. Well, how does the family even prove if that claim is valid or not? Right. Yeah. Well, they really can't. So what do they do? They kind of negotiate with that person and they pay that person off. And so that person walks away with 1500 bucks to just go away so they can handle the rest of the estate. That happens all the time. And so if you just have a will and you don't have it properly designated with beneficiaries on your assets of where those go, that will become a public process and your family will have to deal with those type of issues. And so, again, we joke with our clients and say, look, if you, if you don't really like your kids, I got a perfect thing to get back at them. Just send them through this probate issue. Don't get prepared. Just, you know, you'll, you'll have the last laugh. Yeah. But in most states... Handling your affairs, getting it in order is super simple if you just take the steps to make sure that all of your assets that are worth $50,000 or more have proper beneficiaries designated. And guess what it costs to have beneficiaries designated on an asset? What's that? Nothing. Zero. Right? Huh? Yeah. I mean, you call up your, on your IRA and you make sure the proper beneficiaries are listed. You know, you call up your 401k and you make sure that that's listed. You go online, you do that. You go to your bank. And in, in a lot of states, they now allow you to file what's called a beneficiary deed on your house. So for the longest time, people had to have a trust just to pass on their home. And so there was these issues with people dying and their home would be the thing that would trigger probate. Well, now in Arizona, where we're at, in lots of other states, I think now it's up to like 35 states, they allow you to file what's called a beneficiary deed that you can actually designate someone to receive your home. Okay. And so that's a super simple thing to do. And that's probably the only thing that actually has a cost to it because, you know, it costs like 15 or 20 or $30 to get something recorded by the county recorder's office to make sure that that asset will then transfer to the proper beneficiaries. And like Damon said, the government doesn't have to get involved with that because you took some simple steps that didn't cost hardly any money 
to be able to pass those assets on and to be able to simplify the handling of your estate should you pass away. And neither does a lawyer. A lawyer doesn't have to get involved with that. And anytime we get lawyers involved, it usually becomes more complicated and more expensive. Mm -hmm. Right. And I have nothing against lawyers. Obviously, there's a place and, and they do a lot of good work. But, you know, there's simple planning and taking care of things ahead of time will save so much time and money down the road. And, and, you know, even for those that have done some of these things and have named beneficiaries, there's some common mistakes out there that people make that end up costing money or ending up where things go to probate that they never intended to. So for example, on 401ks um, and IRAs, they make you name a primary beneficiary, but what they don't do is make you name contingent beneficiaries. Oh, okay. You know, and so if something happened and, you know, your spouse passes away before you and you don't go back and revisit that, then now there's no contingent beneficiaries, there's no even primary. Or in some cases, uh, in a really an extreme case, you know, somebody named a beneficiary on a 401k 20 years ago when they started working got divorced, got remarried, did a new will naming the new spouse as primary beneficiary, but never went back and named the new beneficiary on the 401k or never named any contingent beneficiaries. And so that can be an issue that that's very easily uh, overlooked, but very easy to take care of. You guys ever seen that happen where an ex-spouse maybe received the funds and they weren't supposed to necessarily? It's never happened to one of my clients, but I've had times where people have come in and they realize that it was messed up, that uh. it was old and they needed to fix it. And so we were able to catch some of those and and get those corrected as we sat down with people that were becoming our clients and we were kind of going through that process. So it happens more than you think. I mean, you think about how many people have these life-changing events where there's a death or a, a divorce or something like that. And usually in that period of time, the last thing you're thinking about is, oh, I need to go in and change my beneficiaries, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's pretty far down the list. And so again, if you didn't pay attention and life goes on, you know, that can be overlooked. And again, how how would you like that you're married, you're you're happily married to your new wife and all of a sudden you pass away and the ex-wife gets your entire 401k because that's the way it would go. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, (laughs) that would be a terrible mistake to make, guys. So yeah, do a beneficiary checkup, if nothing else, even if you haven't started on an estate plan again, think about your 401ks, your IRAs, and uh, maybe take care of that step or look into that beneficiary deed. And if you have questions about how to do that, you can always reach out to us on our website at successinthenewretirement.com. Now, this is assuming, guys, that uh, we've thought about this issue at all. But in the case of a lot of celebrities, they haven't even thought about who their beneficiaries might be. And uh, case in point, probably the biggest one in recent memory is singer Prince. Because if you remember back after his 2016 death, the singer left no will. So this made headlines, still making headlines today because his siblings and half-siblings are still fighting over this. And AP correspondent Oscar Wells Gabriel says, even when the fight among the siblings is settled, a big chunk of the singer's fortune could be gone. That estimated $200 million pie will not come to them intact. It's expected taxes will swallow up about half the estate before the family is able to get its hands on it. So taxes, and that doesn't even include the attorney's fees. You kind of wonder what's going to be left after this whole dispute is over. Well, think about those attorney fees, right? Right? So every single attorney is going to go to a sibling or to a stepson or whoever, some Mm -hmm. family member and say, man, there was no will. You've got to make a claim. And they're going to bicker and fight. And the attorney wants them to fight as long as possible so that he can continue to bill and charge. 
So it would not surprise me if the attorneys walk away with probably half of what's left over. Mm -hmm. So the government's going to take their big chunk, the attorneys are going to take their big chunk, and then the family's going to divide up the smaller remaining amount. And so it could be totally devastating. A $200 million estate, a very small amount of that passes on to the actual people that, that Prince knew and cared about and loved and would have wanted that money to go to. Yeah. And here's a guy who is actually still collecting money today. I mean, you think about how the sales of his songs spiked after his death, guys. I mean, that estate's going to continue to grow, but uh, what a mess he left behind. And for a guy who died in his 50s, you would think that his financial planning team around him would have encouraged him to take that step. But uh, who knows what goes on in the minds of these entertainers who fail to plan? I think that happens a lot more than we think. You know, I've got 60 and 65-year-olds, even 70-year-olds coming in all the time that have come to a workshop that we've put on that says, and they come in and they're embarrassed. They're like, I haven't done anything. Huh. And I know, I know I'm terrible. I know I'm this, but I haven't done it. My kid's been on me, but I just, you know, I keep putting it off. And we always think, you know, it's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm still young. I mean, I'm, I'm just turned 46 and I, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm almost 50, <laughs> you know, and, and I don't feel like I'm, I'm that much different. And, yeah. and, and, you know, I do this for a living and yes, I have things in order, but you know, it's, it's just a, a different thing. And, and we have to look at those things and take care of them because the alternative is just no fun. And, you know, we always ask people, or I always say this, you know, what are the two things that are certain in life? And it's, it's death and taxes. And right. so number one, we're going to die sometime. So let's just get it taken care of and hope that we don't need this stuff for a long time so that we take care of ourselves and, and our family's able to take care of us. But then, you know, the tax issues, you, you, the guy mentioned with Prince, um, you know, a lot of people have this fear that there's going to be this big estate tax on them. And, and yes, he, his estate, you know, 200 million, there's some estate tax there, but just to kind of set people's mind at ease for the average person out there, there's not going to be that death tax, that estate taxes for most people, for a married couple, if your estate's worth less than 10 million, there's going to be no, no estate tax. Okay. And for a single That's person, it's half of that. And, and so most people are not going to pay that death tax that they're super scared of. Mm-hmm. And there's not a whole lot of planning that needs to be done for them. I mean, these uh, celebrities, it's a different story. They got to do a lot more planning, but the fact is that for most people, this estate planning is not that hard, especially here in Arizona. We've become what we call a probate free state where it's become super easy to avoid probate without a trust by doing what Matt said, and that's naming beneficiaries on all these different things. But having said that, there is still some reasons why you might consider having a trust. Well, and again, you want to control what happens to your stuff, right? So like you take Prince, for example, he doesn't have a will in place. And so technically his family could decide what to do with all of his music and all of those rights and do whatever they want with it. And it could be something that he would have never done, wouldn't have liked, you know, and has, and now he has no control and and there's nothing that's going to protect all of this intellectual property that he created during his lifetime. Mm -hmm. And then you have someone like Robin Williams. So one of the things that Robin Williams had in his will is he's telling Disney that they can't use his voice in other Aladdin movies for 25 years after his death. Oh, okay. He got that specific. Wow. (laughs) So, so he wanted to make sure that he controlled, you know, his voice and his talent and what it could be used for and what it couldn't be used for. And so again, you know, that might be an extreme case for somebody that, you know, Hey, I'm just an engineer or I'm just a teacher. I just do this. I don't have a bunch of this that I need to control what happens after my life. But you might have circumstances where you're worried about your kids inheriting too much money at a young age and you want to control some of that. You might have issues about what if I have, you know, a child that's 
you know, involved in a, an ugly divorce or, you know, has some substance abuse or something like that. And you want to have some clauses in there so that you don't just dump a bunch of money to them right. and it causes additional problems. So yeah. those are all the things. And again, sometimes that can be overwhelming because again, you're trying to put down into a document all of these what ifs and you have no idea what those what ifs will be by the time you pass away. And so again, if you're with a really good attorney, our attorney, when she's putting those type of things in place, she has specific language that kind of covers a lot of those things so that if that's a scenario that's an issue at that time, the person that's in charge of your estate can handle that kind of stuff. And so, again, that's why I think when, like Damon said, that a lot of people said, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought, is, again, when you're dealing with someone like an estate plan attorney like we use that does this every single day, they know how to write the language so you don't have to dream up every single circumstance, but yet your documents and the things that you have in place will still give your family the ability to kind of control some of those scenarios depending on what's going on. And that makes it easier because you have a professional that's kind of helping you think through that kind of stuff. So again, yeah. get out there and talk to an attorney and, and get some advice to find what you should do. But to even simplify it further, like Damon was saying, a lot of states you can do this without even talking to an attorney. It just depends on how complicated you need to make it in your specific situation. Well, guys, and can we address the big elephant in the room? I think if we even want to have this conversation, that's the first hurdle, getting people to actually have it. But secondly is cost. What is the cost of maybe putting a plan together in comparison to what your family could face on the back end if you don't? Well, if we take a pretty expensive, you know, if you went with a, a revocable living trust and you you went to one of these more expensive shops in town, you might spend five or six thousand dollars. Okay. Let's say your estate was worth, you know, a half a million dollars. You know, it might cost twenty five thousand to fifty thousand dollars to go through probate and hire an attorney and, and some of those things. So in comparison, that's a fifth of the cost, right? But that's an expensive you know, proposition. I don't think people need to spend that kind of money on a trust and things. There's much better options with technology and things. It's become so much easier for these attorneys to do trusts and things, and you could spend a lot less. I mean, you there's other resources online. Um, you know, well, right? I would say what eighty to ninety percent of our clients right now, we can help them put together all of the documents that they need. And you're spending less than $50 doing it. Oh, Correct. wow. Man. So again, it depends on someone's specific situation. It yeah. depends on what state they reside in. It depends on where they have assets. Mm -hmm. And obviously it can become more complicated and more expensive, but it doesn't have to be. And I think that's becoming more and more common that uh, more and more states are putting the, the legal tools in place that allow you to avoid probate without having to have these complicated legal documents and to simplify that process. So it can be super cheap. And like I said, I think for the majority of our clients, it's a drop in the bucket to get that in order. And again, they get to you know cross that off the list and have the peace of mind that that's in place. Yeah, especially when you consider the legal fees, potential taxes on the back end too. There's so many advantages to actually having this conversation. But uh, for a lot of people, guys, they might think, okay, I'm just going to write down my wishes on my own. And uh, that leads us to our final celebrity example on this week's episode here. Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul, if you remember, she died back in 2018 after a cancer battle. And then it was discovered, okay, she doesn't have a will. Then months later, actually just recently, three handwritten wills 
turned up. Her family said she had stashed some under the handwritten wills and quotes, like handwritten. They somehow (laughs) found them, some family member. Under a seat cushion. Yeah, this doesn't sound sketchy at all. But uh, (laughs) but guys, I mean, so now they've opened this whole new legal avenue here. I'm sure they're bringing in handwriting experts and all of that. So a whole additional expense here. What's the problem with just going that route and hoping that your family is going to find what you left behind? Well, again, two problems, right? Uh, number one, maybe they don't even find it. Yeah. And then number two, what problems does that create? Because now you got two or three wills. So just imagine the legal fees as they try to prove out which one's the right one. And then like Damon was saying earlier, you have basically given the judge or the government the authority to decide what's going to happen because someone's going to have to rule on that and say, well, we're going to go with this will. It looks like it's the one that was created last. And boom, the assets get distributed out based off of that. And so you've just removed all the control. You've created a lot of confusion. You've wasted a lot of money as they dispute and they fight over this. And then I think the other cost that's there that that we all would probably want to try to avoid is just imagine how many family relationships will likely be destroyed as they go through this process, right? I mean, yeah. you got siblings or family members fighting over this money and you have arguments and a lot of those fights will create relationships that may not ever be repaired again. Yeah. And so again, try to avoid this type of stuff because it's it's so easy that if we just take the time, we can simply avoid a lot of these messes and these problems and these issues if we're just paying attention a little bit. And if you're one of those that are listening today and you're thinking, my kids would never do that, (laughs) think again, because unfortunately in our line of work, our clients uh, pass away. We have some pass away every year and inevitably when money's on the table, people change. And it may be that two years ago they would have been fine, but now they're in a financially bad spot. Maybe Mm -hmm. they're in a bad spot with their spouse and the spouse influences um, I mean, it's easier to blame the spouse, right? It's not your kids, it's the spouse. Right. But, you know, um, there, there just really is things. And, and like Matt was saying, it's just not worth taking that chance to ruin relationships because we can't take anything with us. And, you know, it's my belief that we, those are the things we do take with us is those relationships. So uh, let's preserve them. Yeah. Protect your family. And if you want more information on how to do that, if you have a question about some of the things we've discussed on today's podcast, reach out to Damon and Matt. You can do that through our website. Drop us an email there at successinthenewretirement.com. Thanks for listening. Want more from Damon and Matt? Check out successinthenewretirement.com. And while you're there, drop us an email with your questions. Investment advisory services offered through Acute Investment Advisory, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance and annuities offered through its affiliated company, Acute Wealth Advisors, LLC. Tax and or legal advice is not offered by either company or their affiliated companies. Consult with your tax and legal professionals for guidance on tax or legal matters. The information presented should not be viewed as personalized investment advice. All expressions of opinion are subject to change. We are not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.